0: Ha ba <laughs> Jay just sent me this weird video of like the most basic animation, and it's a dachshund and a tiny airplane, and he's talking. But instead of talking, he's like ha ka And it's like, why is there a dachshund and a tiny airplane? And then there's like a dog on a cloud, and it's the dog of wisdom, and he's like ha. It's the dumbest video. It's so funny. But I know I'm gonna watch it like that shit eleven me up. times. <laughs> Why do you, you go down these YouTube rabbit holes, I feel like that's... Yeah. I went down... So, you guys, remember we had the Onesia Muller yes. interview and we talked about the, ra- the J-Lo rabbit hole? Mm-hmm. Well, someone posted a thread and there was even more yep. than I anticipated. Because they had not only like the information about the songs that she didn't sing, but also <laughs> like clips of the songs that like where the vocals vocals were taken from other artists like um three parties waiting for tonight it's waiting for tonight Mm -hmm. and then it's it's just a waiting for tonight and then this other singer i think her name is shanty shantay um she sang a song called if i gave you my love Mm -hmm. it sounds exactly like if you have my love wow what a rabbit hole if you still haven't gone down this one you should
1: please do ugh It'll, uh, like, up your appreciation for how much that bitch steals.
0: But then it's kind but congratulations of, congratulations like, on your engagement. It's really annoying that, yeah. like, she gets a Video Vanguard Award. And Missy Elliott still doesn't have one. Oh, oh by the way, go listen to Tempo by Lizzo and Missy
1: Elliott. It's a bomb. I love Lizzo. I can't believe we got to see her in person. I know. She's a treat. She's I love her. And her music's so good. It's so good. Oh, by the way, this is the Pretty Woody Podcast. Um, episode 85. If you didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Um, thanks in advance for coming to our Us screening on Wednesday. Yeah, if you haven't gotten your
0: tickets yet, there's still seats left. We'd love to have you there. We're going to have a panel of very esteemed guests. Chaz Moore, who's the co-founder and executive director of the Austin Justice Coalition and Mm -hmm. a huge fan of horror. And then Michaela Gibson, who's an awarded actress and lecturer at the University of Texas. Um, she's been in a lot of stuff, so we're gonna just watch the movie, uh, if you want to come to, like, a screening where there's black folks there, Mm -hmm. I feel like this movie would be appreciated seeing in a room full of
1: us. (laughs) I definitely appreciated seeing Black Panther the way that I saw Black Panther, you know? So, this will be good, it'll be
0: fun. Yeah, so if you can come, we'd definitely love to have you. I know it's a Wednesday, but it'll be a nice hump day treat for you, and, uh, the movie's really brilliant so i feel like we'll have a great time yeah so come and we're gonna have our panel well discussion after the movie yeah
1: after the movie and i'm also really interested in knowing like what else you would like us to do with alamo draft house Cause I'm, I know I'm particularly excited about the Lion King, but like,
0: what else? That's for sure on the docket. Um, Just in my opinion, I would love to do a screening of Little and have Mm -hmm. a mommy daughter. Yeah, I wish I, I wish we
1: would have been doing this during Girls Trip. Ah, that would have been been so so fun—a rowdy
0: screening. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, that's a thing. Yeah, so anyways, come this Wednesday. Our link to tickets is available on our Facebook page, Instagram, wherever you follow us at. So go get your tickets, and we'll see you then.
1: And on our website, because I'm going to do that right now. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll move on to... Recap. Recap.
0: We talked about vaccines not too long ago. There's been a little bit of development and research about vaccines, so I kind of just want to... Oh, what the, what the fuck did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ever do something on your computer and like, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, no, 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 no. Um, damn. Back it up. <laughs> um, so there has been some research that shows anti-vaccine commentary comes in four different flavors. The mistrust of science and government, the fear of safety risks, uh, belief of conspiracy theories, and the support of all alternative alternative disease treatments. Why is this important? It's because this study today reports that info- misinformation about vaccines on Facebook appear to have multiplied beyond fears of autism to include these main themes. Oh, boy. Uh, Peter Hotez, uh, dean for the National School of Tropical Medicine, baylor college of medicine told the verge it began focusing on autism but now it's moving into other areas adding it tends to confirm the depth and breadth of how facebook is promoting the anti-vaccine movement uh you can read more about this methodology on this great article at the verge um which if you look up anti-vaccine research and commentary on facebook you'll find that article uh, but the results suggest potential approaches to the problem, whether that's tailoring the message to different groups of doubters or disseminating better info across particular networks. So basically, when we di- remember we discussed how and who the information is targeting, and how like not everybody who's an anti-vaxxer is dumb; they're just getting the wrong type of information. This study shows how we can combat that because of the people that and the way it's being targeted mm-hmm. if it's people who are solely into conspiracy theories then there's ways to combat that information if you are if you have a fear of safety risks uh, right. with vaccines, that's going to be a different way to combat it than people who just have a general mistrust of science and government. So right. it's useful information to combat something like I said then, which is turning into a very scary crisis.
1: Yeah yeah and people are dying because I don't want SBU has been running that episode back a lot.
0: Well,
1: they have. Yeah, I figured they would. Yeah. <laughs> They're so good about just like recommunicating something that has already already been a thing. Right. Like we have an episode for this because we've been running for like literally 19 seasons. <sighs> uh, okay, so um Celine Roman um, is a dreamer who was born in the United States. Um, well, no, she's born in Peru. She lived in the United States since she was three. She's a dreamer. Um, but she's been a dreamer officially since 2012 when the program first started, she ended up in a detention center for almost a week, um, because she has a job. So, uh, she got a job as a flight attendant. She decided to work for a regional company, Mesa Airlines, because they don't travel internationally and she was worried about this being a problem. So Mm -hmm. she got a job for a smaller airline. Uh, And she told the company that she was a DACA recipient and she didn't want to fly internationally. And they said, fine. Yet this past February, there was a flight that they needed her to do to Mexico. Just a quick turnaround trip, Mexico and back. Um, So she agreed. Um, She told them she was concerned, but they assured her that she wouldn't have trouble re-entering the United States. They had all their stuff. Everything's going to be fine. But then on February 12th. Customs officials detained her uh, shortly after she landed in Houston on her return flight, and she remained in custody for, I'm sorry, not, not almost a week, six weeks. Um, after her arrest, uh, officials tried to revoke her DACA status They considered her, quote-unquote, an arriving alien, which gave her fewer rights than if she had been apprehended before leaving the country. And paradoxically, because she has DACA status, it prevented authorities from deporting her and was uh, one of the reasons she was initially taken into custody. (laughs) So she just sat there in limbo for six weeks.
0: I really hate the microaggression that is using the word alien for someone. Or Uh, even illegal. Yeah. For someone who is undocumented. Right. Like, it sounds
1: icky. It's so gross. Like, ugh. And just, she knew this was she like she already had this concern she got this job because she was concerned about it she communicated that she was concerned about this everyone assured her that was be that it would be fine like we have your paperwork everything's gonna be okay it's just a quick trip like to mexico and back and still she was detained for six weeks and she still would have been there if she hadn't like if somebody hadn't communicated to a lawyer that was like okay i'm gonna go get her out and Mm -hmm. then uh this like attorney got her out and now is like gonna represent her but why does this happen? You right. know, like this sucks so much. So, um she's like younger than us, I think she's like twenty four. Mm-hmm. Um and this is like her first professional job, so it's it just really sucks. So I feel I feel bad for her.
0: This reminds me as I've been vocal that I used to work at a school before mm-hmm. I was able to make my break in mm-hmm. the industry. Like a lot of the girls that graduated at the high school I worked at was an all women's public school. Mm-hmm. They, um, because of the position I had, which was somewhat like a alumni director, mm-hmm. I was in touch with them after they graduated high school, mm-hmm. and after Trump won, and then after the band started, and after the and from, like the calling for the wall started going up, I got lots of messages from girls who had graduated, just kind of. Wondering what they should do. um, Because we had a lot of students at our school that were undocumented and they didn't know. Like some of them were in the midst of their application, nothing we could do then. Their name's already in the system. Some of them had waited for their application. Well, now it's like, do you even do apply? Do you really fill it out, yeah. It's, it was a very scary, and still is,
1: very scary yeah, situation
0: for these kiddos because they don't know what's going on, and yeah. I don't trust the system in one bit. There's a bunch of U.S. citizens who already got deported by accident. So Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I had, like, similar experiences working at a high school because there are things that I think we as American citizens take for granted that you can just do, you know? Um, there are places you can apply to, there are things you can go and show your id there you know you can check into an emergency room and not have to worry about anything and all of that stuff you know you're potentially giving information to somebody who wishes to harm you by deporting you you know Mm so it just really sucks
0: yeah well rush intervention 2019 we are at ahead on friday Mueller submitted that report to the department of Justice. And it was determined that William Burr, who's the attorney general right now, uh, would report where the report would go. Um, And, of course, at the time that the report was submitted, many were calling for it to be made public um, because Mueller recommended no other further indictments. Now that it's been – a letter has been released Mm -hmm. yesterday as the hearing of this episode – Um, special counsel Robert Mueller did not find that President Donald Trump was guilty of obstruction of justice. However, it didn't invite and find him innocent innocent either. either. So that's important to note, because I'm seeing a lot of people online, especially people on the right, who are saying that he No collusion,
1: yeah. There's just not enough evidence to indict. Exactly. And Mueller's very by the book.
0: Yeah. So Attorney General William Barr and Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein have concluded that... Quote, the evidence is not sufficient to charge Trump with obstruction of justice. But as a letter written by Barr to the House Judiciary Committee Sunday, summarizing the still confidential Mueller report submitted to Barr and the Department of Justice on Friday, makes clear that was Barr and Rosenstein's decision, not Mueller's. In his letter, Barr explains that Mueller decided there was a sufficient evidence to, quote, establish whether Trump and his associates were involved in Russian interference in the 2016 presidential presidential election but according to barr Mueller didn't draw any conclusions or make any decisions about the second part of the investigation whether trump obstructed justice by interfering in the investigation of russia russian interference this could have included firing fbi director james comey back in may uh 2017 a decision that comey said trump made after asking comey to go easy on trump's former national security advisor michael flynn so we're kind of left like we've gotten this book Mm-hmm. If we want to put it in, in, like, metaphorically. Right. We have this book, this book of knowledge and wealth, mm-hmm. but there's no conclusion. No conclusion. Mm-hmm. No conclusion. No conclusion. So we <laughs> don't know where to go from here. Yeah. But this also doesn't stop any of the Other that are, yeah, that yeah. are ongoing. Um, This also doesn't determine what's going to happen in the South District of New York with any charges. So, we just kind of have to see from here.
1: Yeah. I will say that I, like, am disappointed. I was sort of hoping for a smoking gun. You know, just like a big, smoking, fantastic gun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there at least is not a gun with evidence. So... I will continue to wait, Um, but I was just hoping for more. Like, you know, 22 months is a long time, and I was just really hoping.
0: Yeah, uh, we were just hoping, like, I'm sure that's why the call for it to be made public is I support, Mm -hmm. because like a lot of people were saying, this was what Barr and Rosenstein summarized yeah so i would like to see everything in that report yeah and it should be made public it should especially be made public. if we're not if we're not gonna have the president sit in on an investigation like hillary did with her emails right. or clinton and whatever the fuck happened with that impeachment process right um, that was a mess then if we're not going to hold him accountable like they did with these politicians mm-hmm. that i've just named then we should at the very least see his tax returns and this report
1: yeah
0: so, i would be pleased with that
1: yeah um, speaking of the United States government, uh, FEMA really fucked up. <gasps>
0: what they do? So this I missed. Okay,
1: FEMA accidentally shared sensitive data, including personal banking information, um, of two point three million disaster survivors, with some housing contractors, uh-huh. um, putting everyone that who's, who's stuff they shared at risk of identity theft. And what the agency described as a major privacy incident. So, the Department of Homeland Security's Office of, his, of the Inspector General on Friday released some findings that uh, personal information of survivors of hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria. So, if you are um, you filed with FEMA for one of those hurricanes, your information did get released. Uh, as well as the 2017 California wildfires was mishandled by FEMA. They released all of these. Um, all of these personal documents accidentally to a number of housing contractors um so that happened in response the disaster relief agency said that it had taken quote-unquote aggressive measures to correct the area error but if you've been affected by one of those three hurricanes and you did file with fema please go ahead and lock your credit on uh, equifax and transunion i know experian charges 24.99 a month to lock your credit but like two is better than none Mm -hmm. so it's free to lock your credit on Equifax and TransUnion um so just go ahead and do that because like I'm I'm sure housing contractors are very good people but also there are a lot of people (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um it's just better safe than sorry I guess but just geez get it together you're a federal agency what is the problem Jesus I hadn't even heard about this they
0: royally fucked up right (sighs) <sighs> I was just like
1: I didn't know about it either I was just like Scrolling Washington Post And I was like Wait what?
0: <laughs> Cause I've been a
1: hurricane victim Like Three times?
0: <sighs> what a shame <sighs> Yeah Okay That'll bring us to Pretty Petty Report I'm gonna start off with some Kind of cool news Awesome I love cool news We need some positivity sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. so Tamron Hall the baddest bitch mm-hmm. <laughs> who if you remember that whole Matt Lauer situation no Megyn Kelly situation mm-hmm. on NBC she was one of the people who was like taking a bad seat when Megyn Kelly got her spot on NBC right. on that morning show and it was like why? why are you doing this her and what's his name um that she would co-host with the black guy oh why do i always Uh, forget his name they were so yeah they were so good together and it was kind of like what are you guys doing you're replacing her with megan kelly Mm -hmm. so when she left i was like i fully support girl because i don't know i don't know why they would make a decision like that like ugh. so cameron hall is getting a new show um it's going to be on abc it's absolutely necessary because I, like I said, she was great on Morning Show. She's great Morning Show TV. Mm-hmm. She's like the real life embodiment of Gabrielle Union's character Mary Jane, mm-hmm. um, being Mary Jane in my opinion. And I was like I just need her to get somewhere and be there and win. Yeah. So she's getting this show on ABC and she said she had in a, like one of their first meetings to start concepting how the show's gonna look, how it's gonna feel, what they're gonna write about, who they're gonna bring on. And it was a room Full of men, <laughs> and oh. like she was kind of like taking aback by that because talk no, shows, yeah. uh, especially because the amount of viewers are usually women, mm-hmm. so having a room full of men, regardless of you're your talking about cameramen or writers or whatever, right. doesn't make any sense. So she requested that more women be on the staff and yeah. made it happen, which rightfully so because Yeah, some men sure. All
2: men <laughs> No. Nice. It
0: should be half and half. But it should also be enough women because the of the type of show this is. Right. This is that's very apparent of the problem with why we see how inauthentic T V is made right. or film. Um, so just to quote her, the network implied and she basically said, cause I have to find my thing. She said, and I had to say, sorry to tell you, but we're going to have a lot of women and staff. I don't want to just, <laughs> I don't want to just talk to you you men all day we need some women in here (laughs) and i was like yes i'm living for this oh my god this is after i already feel like a type of way about like how she got secretly married didn't give a fuck Mm -hmm. what anybody thought and now that she's pregnant she's 48 she's pregnant she's glowing she's getting her tv show i am just so excited by her and i'm glad like it takes that takes someone to advocate for that because there's just not enough people to advocate behind the scenes i don't know if you're a studio exec i don't know why you would think this was even a remotely smart idea dumb 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 so it <laughs> like dumb. For, for her to like walk in a meeting and see all these guys for this morning talk show she's like what, what the hell huh, am i, I in just, the right room i can imagine my own boss being like what the fuck <laughs> Does she curse? Yeah, whenever she's, like, really, like, flabbergasted by something. Or she's frustrated. So, a lot of times, she'll just be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, she doesn't say fuck a lot, but it's like when... Yeah, but it's like when I
1: mean it. (laughs) I love
0: it. I'm trying to think of a time whenever we were just sitting there and I just got a, what the fuck? It was like, um, it like right when... Trump had had his rally and Mm -hmm. he like made fun of the disabled journalist. So I guess she had watched a video because she's like very political. So she was online. She was like, what the fuck? And it (laughs) was like, it was just quiet. I was like, is everything okay?
1: I love it. Me too. (laughs) I love like funny bosses. Like being a good boss is one thing, but like bosses that are funny and they like have quirks. Like that's fun. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) Um, I'm going to talk about the electoral college. Okay, yes.
0: No wonder you have only the one this week.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we all want the electoral college gone. um, Or most of us do, and by most of us I mean Americans, when Americans are polled. We, like, overwhelmingly want the electoral college gone. But we also overwhelmingly want our votes to count one to one. (laughs) And it's the people that don't. Right. (laughs) That would like to keep it. (laughs) So... Why is the Electoral College so bad? It creates the possibility for the loser of a popular vote to win the electoral vote. This is more than a theoretical possibility because it's happened four times out of 56 56 presidential elections or more than 7% of the time, which is not a good Martian fair. It's not. (laughs) That sucks.
0: And the times it's happened, it's been like... It's been really
1: not good. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Um, it, yeah, it's just created, like, this hideous mess every time. And we can all feel and understand how unfair that is. So it it also forces presidential candidates, candidates to, like, write off states that they know that they will absolutely win or absolutely lose because of the electoral college in that state. So if you're in a state like... Um, New York, for example, that's heavily almost heavily democratic anyway. It's a bad example, but like if you're in a, in a state that you know that you can't win, you won't visit, you won't campaign there, you won't you know give a shit about their issues mm-hmm. because where
0: was it that Hillary didn't even make a dent in? And it was like, why didn't you even go? There, I think
1: there were like thirty six states that Hillary it was didn't con- visit. It was, it was, yeah, I, I think it, it was, was one Wisconsin. Of them. But there's like sometimes upwards of, like, 30 states that they just don't even bother. Right. Because...
0: And there are people living there. Right. People bother. like, (laughs) yeah,
1: you should try to give a shit. But if you know you're going to win it or you know you're going to lose it, then why would you? Because you're playing a game with numbers. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason. Another reason, um, I'm Texan. I'm in a very populous state. My vote literally does not count as much as someone in, say, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Because the way that electoral college works is that every state gets two votes and then based on your population you get votes on top of that vote so i think texas has something like 37 or 38 but then if you're in a less populous state they will take some votes like some college members away from more populous states because you can only have the same total Hmm. and then give them to smaller states so like new hampshire has three even though technically speaking new hampshire should probably have like one and a half um and we lost one so my vote would count for like you know, a percentage of a person in a smaller state.
0: Hmm. I wonder why this sounds bad. Which is history. Garbage. <laughs>
1: this sounds a lot like the three fifths compromise. <laughs> if we're going to be honest. <laughs> so it's just like really not fair because people in mass can vote for, um, a candidate and still that candidate won't be president because there are people in smaller states or representatives that represent, um, places that don't have as many, as many people in the population. That's just like, vote otherwise, and we lose, we don't get Hillary. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) And we voted for Hillary. That doesn't make any sense. So anyway, we hate it, but it's going to be really hard to get rid of. So fully overhauling the way the president is selected would take a constitutional amendment, which would require the votes of two-thirds of the U.S. House of Representatives, two-thirds of the Senate, and three-fourths of the states. (laughs) That's a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially considering that we are so polarized politically. Um, Support of that magnitude is really rare, but it's become really, really rare given our climate Um, for anything that's sharply divided. An amendment hasn't been adopted since the 27th in 1992, and one hasn't been adopted relatively quickly since the 26th, which took 100 days from proposal to adoption in 1971. I should also mention here that even trump was on record as getting as like wanting to get rid of the electoral college like back before he became the president Mm -hmm. but then he like won the he won the presidency without the popular vote and Mm -hmm. now he's all for the electoral college surprise surprise um but there may be another way like an under sort of an underhanded sort of sneaky would probably fuck up some other stuff sort of way okay so a number of states have signed onto a pact where they guarantee that their electoral college votes go to the winner of the popular vote in their state.
0: I've seen this.
1: No matter um, the outcome in individual states, the compact would only go to go into effect uh, once the number of states involved surpasses 270 electoral college votes, that threshold that's like required to win the presidency. Today, the pact has the support of states and DC that total 181 electoral votes, which is not a small number. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Largely those that have gone to Democrats in recent years that might invite legal challenges from candidates or voters. um, If it took place because, you know, candidates like electoral college is a law and states are like, I don't care. States have laws. Hilarity ensues. Um, So anyway, analysts believe that no matter what we do with regard to the electoral college, we will like, It will further radicalize politics because if it stays the way it is, we're going to continue to get pissed off because it exists and shit will ensue. If we remove it, people that benefited from the Electoral College will get pissed off because we removed it and shit will ensue. So it's like one of those things that is absolutely terrible and we shouldn't have done it in the first place, but we did. So now we have to deal with the repercussions. Um, We shouldn't expect for um, it to go anywhere during this presidency. We I mean we'll hopefully elect a Democrat to the presidency next time. Yeah. And they've been vocal about wanting to remove it, but it's it's really gonna take a lot of votes and a lot of support for it to be abolished. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. I hope yeah. it gets abolished. I would like my vote to count. Me too. <laughs> I don't wanna be less of a person. I thought we were done with that. <laughs> Is it eighteen sixty four? It might be. I mean I kinda feel like it.
0: So, I'm going to talk about the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. or at least a committee within the party that I have a problem with right now. Mm -hmm. So, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee... Is doing something that will move to hobble primary challengers, and it's a problem. So the oh D Triple C, because that's a lot to say, will apply. <laughs> <DC>. Yeah, <laughs> will apply a new rule that they'll neither contract with nor recommend to House candidates any political vendors that work outside of Congress. Um, so the DCCC Triple C is characterizing a move to protect Democrats' majority in the House. But this can also be a preventative measure against prospective uh, candidates looking to unseat um, more moderate Democrats or incumbents. Why is this a problem? Mm-hmm. Because within the last year, that our last, last election cycle, we saw this happen. And the people that replaced them were Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez mm-hmm. and Ayanna Pressley, mm-hmm. who are very vocal. Mm-hmm who are women of color mm-hmm. and who are not kind of abiding by the not by the de facto rules of mm-hmm. being freshman congress
1: people. But your bullshit anyway.
0: So, it looks like they're doing this thing so they can make sure that you know, there's no issues whenever we have candidates come about, about. but it also seems like they're you know creating a backup plan in case an incumbent leaves and you have someone take a seat that you weren't expecting to take right. and i think because of how vocal these two women are and how staunch in their ways and how i wouldn't want to use the word stubborn but set yeah. in and how they want to represent their districts is bothersome for the people in power within the democratic party and so i don't like this because we need fresh blood we need yeah people different ideas yeah and having younger people like it feels so ageist saying this but particularly with politics having younger people there is a necessity right take the green new deal for instance uh like, AOC is going to be living and around mm-hmm. whenever the problems start to take place. No offense to our politicians who are up there in age. Absolutely
1: not. But Nancy Pelosi will likely not be here.
0: They Right. Just because, you know, of things like time and age. Right. <laughs> so those things ne- need to be taken into consideration. And if you're just, like, stalling these people because they're so vocal mm-hmm. and they're so passionate about the things that are going to directly affect us, like student debt, um, the environment. Right. Um, like how cops handle police brutality. it's Those are things that affect us directly more than people who are older. Right. And so now this rule is put in place, and it feels really icky and ill-timed, mm-hmm. and it just feels like you're doing something to stop a kind of movement that's
1: Yeah, happening. that absolutely feels like the thing. And happening fast. And, I mean, we do need, we always do need people that are more progressive coming in under and helping to change things because like Democrats used to not really be into race mixing <laughs> you know, and if we if we only ever paid attention to those people, even though they were quote unquote progressive given the climate, then we wouldn't be where we are. So right. we always need to move forward. It's not okay to just like be like, well we're good enough. No, we're not. Exactly. We're nowhere near good enough. The United States of America is in peril right now. Yeah. Let's fix it
0: so i just want to call them out about that because i feel like we're like we said before we're a very liberal show
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: automatically people think liberal democrat Mm -hmm. which for our own i mean like i technically am yeah but yeah it's true but i also want to believe in a party that believes in the ideals that i have and who's not going to play this shady shit yeah in progress for
1: the sake of progress not progress for the sake of chess yeah (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay we'll take a break
0: Tired of wearing the same boring jewelry? Well, worry no more because Terry K Accessories has jewelry for all of your needs. Terry K Accessories is always fabulous, always fashionable, and always $5. That's right, folks, only $5 plus tax. With new styles added daily, you can shop anytime and look like a million bucks without breaking the bank. Find that perfect pop of color, fall in love with a new statement piece, or step out of your comfort zone and try one of the hottest trends of the season. The choice is yours. Visit www.ShopTerryK.com to shop her lead and nickel-free collection. Join the exclusive VIP Facebook group, Terry K. Accessories, for prizes, deals, and more. Again, that's www.ShopTerryK.com. Join the Facebook group now and tell them Pretty Witty sent you. Now, back to the show.
1: Greetings, we're out of wine.
0: I know, it's such a sad thing when the bottle is empty.
1: Do we have anything else?
0: Um, I might actually have another bottle down there. I think it's. Cab. Of wine? <gasps> Should I pause it? <laughs> Should I stop it? Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so oh, we. Oh, it's drugs. We definitely paused. <laughs>
1: we got a bottle. Okay, let me
0: see. Sorry,
1: I'm gonna scan this real quick. She's it smells so good. It.
0: She's adding it to. I'm her, actually gonna review her... that. Oh, you actually, are. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that slips right into.
1: Consumer review!
0: I'm reviewing two things. Cool. What is that face for? Okay.
1: That's because I was going to do that. Okay.
0: <laughs> you look like a blow-up doll. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever get popular enough and you decide to make sex toys, I think a blow-up doll will be very on brand for you. I have to,
1: I'd to. i rather make sex games because those are more oh. fun. You know?
0: <laughs> Cause you don't want to be a sex doll? No.
1: I think you should consider it. I think I'm probably not the exact right body type for that, because you have to have, like, specific... Let's move on. Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm reviewing two things. Two things that I am very annoyed with.
1: (laughs) Really? Okay.
0: The first one should be obvious. I have talked about Pretty Little Liars on this show before and how annoyed I am that I started that show and I absolutely had to finish it. Because I had to. Right. It was seven seasons long, seven so I'm sure I'm long. That's what I said. Seven seasons long. Seven seasons long. Because I'm Sean
3: sure <laughs> Connery. <can't laughs>
0: but because it was a f- ABC Family Freeform show, that means like 26 episodes per season. It was a lot. It was a commitment. <laughs> and I started that in the beginning. The first season was great. And then it just like spiraled into all these things it did not need to be. I say all this to say that Pretty Little Liars now has a spin-off. It's called Pretty Little Liars: The Perfectionists, which is on Freeform Ooh. now. It just uh premiered this week, and of course, yes, I watched it. But as I watched it, I knew I was going to feel like Ashley. We went through this before. Please don't. Why do this. are you doing this to yourself? So, this spin-off follows one of the Pretty Little Liars, Allison DiLaurentis, who goes to Beacon Heights University to work as a TA, um, to hope, hoping to shed her mean girl past. As you remember at the end of Pretty Little Liars, her and Emily, the girl who, who plays by Shay, Shay Mitchell, who always looks so confused and hurt all the time, <laughs> uh, sh- they were together, and they were raising Allison's twins together. But apparently they're having some problems, and the way that they worded it in this first episode, it seems like Emily probably won't be popping up.
1: Did we know Emily for something else? Well, Emily was in
0: You. I reviewed You Uh on Lifetime. Okay, okay. She played played the rich um, friend of the girl who was being stalked, whose name was (laughs)
1: Peaches.
0: (laughs) Great. And she was like... In love with
1: her, it was a mess.
0: If you still haven't watched you, it's on Netflix now. Netflix. I know. I keep
1: Netflix. meaning to. be And this girl that I work with is like, it's
0: so good, it's but a, also in like a very creepy way. And you very. won't believe that the dude from Gossip Girl is this creepy. But you will believe. I feel like if Gossip Girl went far enough, that's you. So mm. it makes sense, especially because Dan was Gossip Girl. Yeah. So
1: watch. It. But actually, not really. Y'all just made that shit up at the end.
0: I can agree with that because there was like a lot of plot holes with that. Right. But please watch you. I'm telling you, it is so good. Okay. Anyways, also in the show, in the spinoff, um, is Mona Vanderwall, who we find out like halfway through Pretty Little Liars, is she's one of the people who played A. Um, she was also dealing with some mental health issues, but she works at Beacon Heights University and is the person who recommends Allison to this position. Immediately when Allison gets there, she's already weary because she didn't know Mona was working there and Mm -hmm. she didn't know she was the person recommending her and because of all the shit that happens in Pretty Little Liars she's like well I'm not going to take anything for coincidence and I'm not going to believe any of this stuff so we learn that um the students that go there are dealing with some bullshit just like in Pretty Little Liars and then eventually someone dies just like in Pretty Little Liars (laughs) and the plot Is even more bonkers than it was in Pretty Little Liars at the start, at the very least. Um, Oh, by the way, uh, at the end of Pretty Little Liars, we know Mona goes to France because she's holding um, Spencer's twin and their mama, Hmm? the Drake's, um, captive. And they get away. So that's why she comes back because she didn't have anything else to do in France. It don't make no sense. Um, You're saying this, you're confused, never seen the show to someone who's seen the show, you're like,
1: "What?" You still confused? Yeah, because I was gonna say, like, do people that know Pretty Little Liars like they would
0: know if you watch the show? But, but it's they, still they would like, still hate it. It's still like a thing where it's like, in what universe would this actually happen? Mm. So. What I'm trying to say is because there's, like I said, there's a lot of bullshit. We meet students, you know, they got dirt on each other. They're blackmailing each other, just like in Pretty Little Liars. You are not missing anything if you don't watch this show. And if you, like, I watched this first episode and I had a talk with myself. I was like, Ashley, are you going to do this? Because you're a little bit curious to find out what happens next. Because that's the problem with Pretty Little Liars. Mm -hmm. It's like you get you watch the show you're like oh this is so annoying who's a just tell me but then you're like oh they reveal just enough yeah to get you hooked into watching the next episode and i did that for seven season straights pretty little liars the perfectionist is doing the same thing and i i don't know if i can if i have the strongest resolve right to yeah. now to watch this crappy action. i show. mean it's just like
1: one of those things that you end up you have to watch it because you just want to know. But then it's fine. Like, I'm just going to hate watch it. So th- then you hate watch it.
0: I think what I'm going to do is... Because Pretty Little Liars and also this spinoff is based off books by the same author. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to read the book and save myself a lot of time and energy <laughs> dealing with these characters and their faces and the pretentiousness. I cannot. Yeah. So if you've never seen their show, I say don't watch it. I give it a C-. If you've watched Pretty Little Liars... Don't do it. <laughs> Still don't? save. Don't waste your time. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Okay. But if I don't read this book, I have not deleted it off my DVR. So we'll see. Okay. I'll let you guys know what I decide.
1: Cool. But if you haven't done it yet, please don't.
0: <laughs> this is what I'm saying. <laughs> do
1: not. Do not put yourself through this, but if you've already started, then go ahead and finish. Good God, girl. Get out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm reviewing... Um, an app. The app is called Delectable. I should tell you that I am really into wine. Not because I like to drink, because I don't specifically like to drink, but I do like to drink wine. Um, and that's Delectable is a wine app. So just know that. Um, <laughs> so I got into wine maybe about two years ago. I don't even know when it was, but you know, I was just like, this is great, and I've just been really into it ever since. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Delectable is an app where you can collect both your opinions and other people's, like people who are actual professional sommeliers' opinions about wines. I, to me, it's kind of like a game where I want to collect as much wine knowledge as I can because every time you scan a different wine and review it, your number goes up. So, like, I'm just competitive with myself and I like to do that. But also, it's good for... Like if you want to remember that you really like this wine or something and you would like to buy it again, you get to rate it like 1 through 10 and like 1.1 1. 1, 1. 1.2, like that out of 10 mm-hmm. so like hundred on a 100 point scale actually and take pictures of it and take notes about it and stuff like that. Um, so essentially what you do when you open the app and you're drinking a new wine is scan the label and it'll like read the label and then say is it this so it'll say like is this a 20 20- 15 faustino tempranillo and you'll you'll say yes and then it'll show you other people's reviews so like average review on this is an 8.1 okay so you can do your own review and say like hey this is what the legs are like this is what it smells like this is what it tastes like i like this i don't like this i would buy it again and then you rate it on the scale Mm. Uh, and then you can save that rating and other people can see what you rated it. And you can like add friends the way you add friends on Facebook. and it also syncs with your Facebook and your Twitter if you want to add people that also have the app. Um, and then it saves your review so that it can like as you progressively drink more wine and as you progress, it'll like tell you what your tastes are. So it'll tell you not only like what varietals you drink and how often you drink them, so at the top of mine are like, West Coast Cabernets, West Coast Pinot Noirs, um, some vignettes, some um, tempranillos, some Grenaches, But it'll also tell you like what you tend to drink and what you tend to like so that you can make more informed decisions before you taste something, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I like is that um, if you find something or you find a review of something that you think you want to try, you can add it to your wish list. And then the next time you're, like, at the store and you're going to buy wine, then you can pull it up, like, pull up your wish list and then, like, ask, like, can I see this or have this or buy this or whatever? And then you can review it on your own. So it's super dorky. And if you're not (laughs) into wine, I wouldn't recommend, like, going to find this. And there's also one for beer, but, like, I don't drink beer. So Um, I just really like it. And I'm so excited about getting over 100 wines.
0: (laughs) How close are you now? Uh, I'm 12 away. Oh, my gosh. From 100 wines, so. (laughs) This just makes me think of my cork things downstairs and how full they are. Yeah, I just,
1: it's so fun for me. And, like, the more that you, like, the higher you go in wines, the more people, like, follow you because they're interested in your opinion because you're, like, clearly a person that drinks wine. You're not just, like, this is a, you know,
0: Chardonnay from this
1: grocery store like, so, like me. Yeah. I <laughs> you're mean, so refined i always end up bringing you shit like she should taste this yeah and, this and it's good.
0: usually good i'm just cheap <laughs> so
1: <laughs> i like it if you're into wine definitely download it if you're not into wine ignore everything i just said i
0: kind of want to download it even as like a yeah. casual taster let's be friends when you download it okay i'll do it okay all right so i am reviewing a second thing cool so, I am an eclectic music listener. Mm-hmm. I love all types of music. That's how you broke your neck. It, well, the story goes. <laughs> I'm a fan. I love 80s metal and, a like, rock music. Mm-hmm. Glam rock. Uh, any type of rock from the 80s. Like, that time period for rock music is just kind of iconic. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, if you listen to a lot of them in a row, you realize they all do kind of sound the same. <laughs> so, like, I like, uh... I watched um, what I'm about to review, and then I kind of went spiraling, and I had to clean my house, so I just listened to all heavy metal and Mm -hmm. all rock music, and I was listening to um, I Wanna, like by Twisted Sister, I Wanna Rock Rock, Mm -hmm. that sounds a lot like uh, I Love Rock and Roll, Mm -hmm. they mesh so well, Mm -hmm. and then I play like six other songs, and they all sound the same but whatever it's fun mm-hmm. 80s rock music is fun because i enjoy headbanging i enjoy air guitars it's fun a beat white music mm-hmm. and so like i had the first epiphany of being old this weekend because i was listening to this music i was running around dancing the next morning i woke up and my neck <laughs> is absolutely killing me because i have long hair so you have to swing all of your hair of course you do when you do this you have to commit But I hadn't done it in a long time, and I guess I just went balls to the walls because I was also drinking champagne. So, I'm so sore. (laughs) Like, I have to put CBD oil. I'll probably have to make the switch to Icy Hot or Bengay in a second because my neck hurts. And I I feel like I'm old. I
1: think 80s rock. Well, it's a tie between 80s rock and 90s rock, being my favorite type of rock. Mm. Because I love me some belly idol.
0: There's such a difference. I I just really... I give me a good man in skin tight straight leg pants and i don't know if hold me now counts as rock but absolute long favorites. hair like give all that to me i love it yeah um twister sister is probably one of my favorite bands i also love kiss and um deaf leopard if i had to pick a white stripper song to dance to pour some sugar on me is absolutely it. well that's just iconic that's like the sexiest song ever one of them and then so was Cherry Pie by White Snake. I, I I rant. The reason why I <laughs> rant, this all gets brought up, because <laughs> I you know you guys know I love terrible movies. Uh, Netflix premiered The Dirt, which is a biopic about Motley Crue, and it came out this Friday. So of course I was gonna watch it, and I watched that in the morning and then shenanigans all day, and now my neck hurts. <laughs> so that's where we're at. This movie is terrible. It is <laughs> so bad because. I don't know how many of you guys know anything about Motley Crue. Not many people do. Yeah. Lead singer or lead guitarist is Nikki Sixx. Lead singer is Vince Nils. Uh Tommy Lee is the drummer. And then they had this old man, Mick Mars, who played bass. Old man. Uh, but they're all still alive, which that surprised the hell out of me. Two reasons why I'm about to discuss. Any stereotype you can think of of rock bands in the 80s mm-hmm. and how wild they were the amount of drugs they were taking the amount of alcohol they were drinking the shenanigans they did with women and just having unprotected sex all the time and groupies and just being balls the wall crazy at hotels and stuff motley crew is one of the reasons why those stereotypes exist mm-hmm. but they are terrible like they're absolutely terrible there's actually like um so this movie is supposed to be based off a 2001 book written by journalist neil strauss called the dirt confessions of the world's most notorious rock band if you've seen tommy lee and pamela anderson's sex tape you kind of get a feel for Mm -hmm. what i'm talking about because tommy lee that's him (laughs) i've seen the sex tape that's how he acts (laughs) like whatever but the problem with this biopic besides like the obvious egregiousness that they don't show any women like Molly crew was really terrible like um, whenever Tommy Lee got engaged to this girl he punched her in the face um, on their tour bus they glide right over that Vince Niels got so so, so wasted. Like, and you can imagine the type of drugs that they're all taking. Like, um, I say neils It's Vince Neal. Um, they take tons of drugs. Cocaine, weed, alcohol, whatever. And he was driving under the influence. And he was on about five to ten substances. And he got into a car wreck. He actually had the drummer from Hanoi Rocks, Nicholas um, in the seat next mm-hmm. to him. And when they got into this wreck, he died. Mm. Um, that's how bad they were their uh manager would have to literally like knock tommy lee out like punch him and then handcuff him to the bed to make sure that he wouldn't go anywhere after they were done after a night of raging and these nights that they were raging would also be the same nights that they did whatever um tour date in whatever city you can imagine they went all over the world it was nuts so it glides over the the bad parts. Like, it makes you think we're talking about, like, a a motley crew mm-hmm. <laughs> of, like, rascals and mm-hmm. guys who like to have fun. Like, they show this scene with Ozzy Osbourne where they, like, at a pool and they take a piss on the side. And then Ozzy, like, gets down on, on fours and, ne- like, licks up that piss. Oh, my God. Which is <clears throat> an actual story. That's how they were, but it keeps those weird parts in without talking about...
1: You like know, oh those scoundrels without it being like, right without yeah.
0: beating the shit out of women or like you know fucking killing people so it leaves all that out Ugh. and then also the casting for this was just really weird like um machine gun kelly plays tommy lee what that he's so tall and skinny and tommy lee is not a bad looking guy like tommy lee's a kind of good looking guy i've and... never heard machine gun kelly's name in a context that was not making fun of him <laughs> it doesn't make any sense um Ewan rayon if you watch game of thrones you know him as ramsey bolton or the kid from the misfits he plays mick mars and he's supposed to be like super old but Ewan is young and he still looks young so it didn't make any sense so the casting was just off and then like they kind of also skived over how much alcohol and drugs they were doing like they show the part nikki six whenever he was like fully in the droves of doing drugs Mm -hmm. he was like he would do heroin he would shoot up wherever whenever and uh At one point he gets, he does have an overdose and he dies and the EMTs bring him back with a shot of adrenaline to his heart, a la Pulp Fiction, but in real life. Mm -hmm. But they don't, they just glide over any of the kind of substance abuse, even when they show like the drummer being killed in the car wreck. It just didn't feel authentic. Mm Mm-hmm so there are a lot of other rock biopics you guys can watch (laughs) this is not one of them because (laughs) it's not good what I will say watch though if you want to learn about Motley Crue or like how these bands were please go on YouTube and watch their behind the music episode the behind the music I feel like that's a show that we don't have anymore that absolutely needs to come back I
1: would love that show to come back
0: like uh, this, this episode for Motley Crue is really good it really delves deep into the problems of this band dmx's episode because of how much drugs and shit he does and how they would like he would just like get people to come in the studio at two in the morning because that's when he felt like making music it would be really off the cuff and really weird and because of how many times he was in jail like he had to just get shit done so watch those instead this this is like i guess trying to ride the bohemian rhapsody train Mm -hmm. and trying to get something in it was just like piss poor That sucks. Yeah.
1: This is, like, completely out of context. But it reminds me of, like, the story that... I don't remember what podcast this was from. But they were talking about how much drama it was to try to get Old Dirty Bastard to record. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially that verse with Mariah Carey. Because he was just, like... It was trying to, like, wrangle a child. Because he (laughs) wouldn't. And then he was, like, high. And then he was cussing people out. And then, like, he went to sleep. And it was just, like... (laughs) You're on so much shit right now, I need you to come down. Right. And, like, record this, so like, it's just interesting.
0: if you've never seen a Behind the Music episode, I think if you have the VH1 app, you can watch it all, but it's, they're all on YouTube, so mm-hmm. if you want to go down that rabbit hole, please do, because I've never seen a, like, a very authentic Behind the Music episode before. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it always gets back there, it always talks about the real stuff, it doesn't mm-hmm. try to shy away from things that are yeah. bad.
1: It's really good pinks behind the music was one of my favorites Mm,
0: that's a good one I might have to like go watch a bunch of them
1: yeah I think I'm gonna watch them all and Um, now I have a hurt neck I'm the bent
0: neck lady from (laughs) um, from what oh you still haven't watched um, not house on haunted hill but the haunting of hill house Oh, on netflix no.
1: there's a whole character called was, a bit, like neck lady. oh you should watch i told you to watch it yeah but that was just like a flat like people aren't talking about that consistently they're just like oh there was a thing and it happened and it's over so it's i'm gonna watch it
0: absolutely this. great and i reviewed it on the show and i know but that's another one that's uh, my second one i call that one no yeah i call i call that how many seasons of there is that one all right it's on netflix of that is there not and then you can binge that. it And I told you to watch it, remember I told you all the kids are like different stages of grief and how you would like appreciate it because you like talking about dying and death and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. So, what was the other one I told you you had to actually, like, absolutely, yeah, so you got Game of Thrones and House, The Haunting of Hill House. Game
1: of Thrones is such a fucking commitment.
0: It's not. I finished in, I'm good, so you. You You finished it in how
1: long? You didn't finish that sentence. How long did it take you to finish Game of Thrones?
0: It took a little while, but it's Exactly. (laughs) Like, a week. All you need is a solid week, even just watching a Off episodes. of work! So after, just even a few episodes each night. Oh my god. Okay, Um it's time for.
1: School year
0: bullshit. I feel like you're not gonna watch the show before the it's new It's gonna take me comes. a couple
1: of years. I feel like I'm gonna be like. No, I
0: cannot uh, take you a couple of years. It's gonna be 2021.
1: I'm like, I just finished season three. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're going to play head. a game now. All right, what are we doing? <laughs> die! Just die! <laughs> oh, favorite Different World episode. Um, So a very long time ago, like back where you, when you were in your old apartment and we had just started the podcast, probably like episode like 18 or something. We hmm. did this thing called Opinion Wars and we only talked about food. <laughs> okay. Um.
0: Oh, that's right. When you made me do like McDonald's versus Popeye's
1: no not that one that was a bracket game oh this was just like a pin like polarizing food where we were like mayonnaise love it or hate it and then we argued about different foods i didn't even know what episode this was it was so long ago i just like went back through stuff over the week and i was like hey i forgot that we did that so this is one of those all right so i found six possibly polarizing things i don't even know um, but we're gonna give our opinions on them, and then if we disagree, we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, and I know for sure we'll disagree on one of them because one of them is a horror movie. So <laughs> um, we will just like be like, I love it or I hate it, and then we'll discuss. Okay. All right. So number one, the Fantastic Beasts film. <laughs> Hated.
0: I just I'm not I'm not that big a fan. I haven't even bought this new one yet. And you know Mm. I would buy it usually to support. But after, did you see on Twitter when J.K. came out and was like, oh yeah, Grindelwald and Dumbledore had such a sex-sexual relationship. Like, okay, why? (laughs) Did you see other people were like, added in their two cents? They were like, nobody. J.K. Rowling. Dobby was black.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It just seems like. I don't know. I was watching this. Um, I was going back over like CinemaSins videos and I decided to watch all all eight Harry Potter CinemaSins videos. Yeah. Yesterday. And then I watched Fantastic Beasts because I never watched it. And the first thing, like, one of the first things he said was, like, do you want more Harry Potter movies, but with 100% less Harry Potter?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is so true. Yeah, just, like. But then, she's trying to insert Harry Potter's canon into this so much that she's ruining the story that she crafted. Like, what are you doing? What you doing, girl? I want to shake her so bad. I think the difference between, like,
1: the Harry Potter franchise and what she's doing now is just, like, she had already thought Harry Potter through before she started writing Harry Potter. And there were still some, like,
0: inefficiencies. Oh, inefficiencies? Dumbledore having an extra ass brother don't make no sense.
1: Right. But just, like, in the regular story, just, like, like, there's some shit that, like, didn't line up, right? But she had thought it through, so, like, okay, fine. It's a story. Whatever. But now, like, what?
0: This just seems, it's like a blatant cash grab and yeah like you're ruining the story that you have if most billions um, of fans
1: of if most what do you call those things that are made out of smoke and they're super angry (laughs) like a smoke monster no like in fantastic beast the oh uh, um the (laughs) obscures the obscure yeah if most obscurus are like obscurial obscurials are young children right? right we never really found out like they kind of gave an explanation but not really about why why he lives so long yeah why he lives so long and got so big and got so because he's fucking pissed off right so it should have killed him by now also why does uh what's his name just have one just like that seems dangerous (laughs) to just have one in a suitcase where you keeping all this
0: other shit that i get because he talked about like you know that little girl dying and he felt the only way to preserve her life was to take the obscurial with him and because he is a magic (laughs) zoologist
1: with a suitcase that won't close (laughs) and the only thing that can i mean how secure is it if the niffler can get out like
0: i'm still annoyed as we've discussed about nagini being a whole ass witch
1: i'm just uh, i feel like uh, so uh, often for money people ruin things that are perfect or almost perfect
0: yeah and i just get tired and harry Potter was
1: nowhere near perfect keeps happening leave
0: it she and she said i'm gonna leave it alone we're like "Bet." (laughs)
1: <laughs> and like if you're gonna do this she go didn't. forward yeah. like I would rather like sure I I would love some some Snape backstory for sure cause I'm one of those people that's like I'm interested in what the fuck is wrong with Snape not everybody is but I'd be interested in knowing but like you went way back to a textbook from the first year that I wasn't even all that interested in first of all secondly if you're gonna go somewhere go forward like Harry had whole ass children mm-hmm. He named he named them after several people he knew i would like to know whether or not that had an effect on them
0: well i told you not to read the the cursed child i didn't but like she did go forward but i st- i'm still kind of like flabbergasted as to why she let someone else take the reins of her story because now this staunches the opportunity for her to go forward because of this bullshit play
1: this the shit she says just kind of ruins like the fact that she said um like and we're gonna move on because this is a whole topic yeah but the fact that she was like you know in retrospect i would have paired hermione with harry girl what are you doing it, like that makes no sense neither Ugh, i I'm i mean so i right. would i get it i understand it but don't do it after you've already like we've already heard the story hermione to to a lot of people is a whole last person now and married ron so don't do that Also, if you're going to pair Harry with anybody, pair him with Luna, obviously.
0: I know. I can, like, hop on that train. I adore Luna. I do, too. Her
1: fucking weird ass. Annoyed. (laughs) Okay, next topic. Um, Saw movie series. Okay. What do you think? I love Saw. I, it's,
0: when it first came out, I was like, this is genius. I would do without it. And there's about like six to seven saws in the movie franchise that I could do without. What do you want to do without? In saw? Yeah. Do you hate that it's torture pornery?
1: i think i mean like i don't love torture porn because i feel like people end up watching shit that's like real life blood and gore Mm -hmm. because they disassociate so much that they don't know the difference between entertainment but that's like a whole other issue i think the fact that he quote unquote wants people to appreciate life better by torturing them to death is weird And I think the first two saws... Like, how can I appreciate life when you are burning my fingers off when I'm trying to get a key?
0: (laughs) The first two saws, and the not the last one, because the last one doesn't make any sense, but the one where right before they were like, oh, this is the last saw. I think that's eight. Mm -hmm. Those three answer that question well. Mm -hmm. The problem is you have all of these other movies that are absolutely focused on the torture aspect Mm -hmm. of it, that don't have anything to do with that question.
1: Yeah, I didn't watch any Saw after, like, three, I don't think. And
0: you don't need to. And I think the third one is, like, the worst of them because it makes that change. Because to me, the first Saw is brilliant.
1: I mean I watched it and I was like all
0: right I was like what is this and I was like and I was like wait he wasn't dead what? <laughs> like I was like I didn't I didn't expect it so for me it was like uh someone who like can guess what's gonna happen in a plot and be surprised which mm-hmm. is again why you should watch Game of Thrones then <laughs> I'm I was like oh I want to see more second one was okay and then the third one was kind of like mm. And then it brings it back later, but by that time, you've already been saturated yeah. with all of this torture porn that you need nothing with. Yeah, and
1: that's, like, my least favorite type of horror, I guess. Like, yeah, you know, torture for the sake of, like, entertainment is just, oh, okay. I much prefer, like, something's haunting something else. People are being inhabited by demons. Oh. That's, that's my shit. Oh, you would, huh? You yeah. would, you would. What is it we're talking about? Yeah, Hill Hill House we're like, now? yeah,
0: now I want you to watch
1: that fucking show. No, wait, isn't that the second on your list? Yes. No, this is an argument. We don't need that. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm so speaking of things, I do think they don't
0: need to make any more fucking saws because we don't need them. It I just don't didn't. I don't sense. need it. And it's, then, like, then, it's like the J.K. Rowling thing. You had a good thing and then you just continue. And you just, to just like ran it
1: over with yeah. a tractor. <laughs> Relax. Okay, speaking of things, sort of like that. Ghosts. <laughs> Do you think they are real or not? Nah? I
0: believe ghosts are real. Mm-hmm. I believe there are supernatural beings where we can't see them. Mm-hmm. And I think they fuck around with you quite a bit. Yeah. There's no way that you have creeks downstairs and shit moving without right. something happening. I believe they're real.
1: I don't think ghosts in like the sense that we think that like... You know how those, they're like invisible people that are like, whoo, like that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that people that are dead are still hanging around. Yeah. And they, sometimes they do stuff and sometimes they're just watching mm-hmm. and it just is what it is.
0: <laughs> the Pretty Witty podcast subscribes
1: to ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean like people that are dying, cause I read a lot of shit about people that, like the active death process, cause I'm really interested in it, but the only way that you can know it from personal experience is if you are dying and then if you die you can't write about it because you're dead so (laughs) the studies that people do are really interesting to me and people that are near death or that have spent a lot of time near death like they've been really sick for a long time exist on both sides so they can like see and talk to us but they can also see and talk to people that we can't see and then they die and then people that die after them can see and talk to them so like that's not a coincidence. <laughs> like, what? there's other people in this bitch and we right. can't see them. So I have, yeah, I totally think.
0: I have one quick story. So when my grandmother was on her deathbed at the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, we got the call and then my mom, my sister and I had to drive to Albuquerque mm-hmm. from here. 10 hour drive. She held on the entire time. We get there, the entire family's there just kind of gathered around her bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my mom's saying her goodbyes. My sister's next to me. This was when I was like, 13 mm-hmm. So, sister, like eight. Uh, what's nine minus 13 six so she's young mm-hmm. she's a baby so six and she kept like tugging on my screen she's like my sleeve she's like uh who's that black boy next to the mm-hmm. bed and i was like what are you talking about weirdo and she's like who's the little black boy next to mm-hmm. her bed and on my mom's side of the family they're all Hispanic. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that because we don't know what since this my DNA test shows we're not Mexican. <laughs> I
1: don't know what we are.
0: <laughs> but they ain't black. <laughs> Merlin and I are the closest black thing there. So she kept asking me that and I kept freaking out because I didn't know what to do. But mm-hmm. I was like, I don't see any little black boys. What are you talking about? And when she was younger, she would always say weird shit like that. And I was mm-hmm. like, kids know and it's so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do. So I absolutely blew Ever Yeah, that, no, I, I like, do I too. Me.
1: Like um, one of my friends when her mother died, the same The same man that came to get her Was the same man that came to get her mother When she died uh-huh. Like same black man wearing the same suit Described them like decades apart <laughs> Like alright That's creepy If that man comes to get me when I die I am definitely telling somebody I hope it's not him I hope it's a family member Yeah, Like you know I don't want a stranger to come get me Like I hope it's my, my grandpa mm. I miss him And uh-huh. I feel like he is having a bomb ass time I bet you haven't great If it exists. Yeah. (laughs) Um, next. This one's light and fluffy. Pineapple on pizza.
0: No, gross. Love it. I hate sweet and savory things. You know this. Ooh, I adore them. We just have, so like on Fridays or Saturdays, we have friend dinners where like someone cooks and then we watch TV like RuPaul's or something together. This past weekend, we had chicken and waffles. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't, I had to
1: eat everything separate. separately
0: and someone was like well why don't you that's weird why don't you put your
1: syrup on your whatever I And i was like, Ugh. I will say that i don't like pineapple on all kinds of pizza i like pineapple on specific kinds so pineapple with bacon i'm down for pineapple with nope. ham i'm down for a nope. pineapple with prosciutto well with, that's like a different time of hand. but yeah. oh my god so yummy so delicious so you wouldn't like fig and prosciutto which is amazing I would not like
0: any of that. Dang, so good. Sweet does not go with savory.
1: It blah. so does. Blah, 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 blah. Because I can't have sweet by itself. That's nasty. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. my God. I feel like we're going to agree on this next one. Okay. Kanye West. I'm done? hmm Yeah. I'm also done. Like, being a musical genius only takes you so far. You're exhausting, and you get on my nerves, and you're stupid, and you are probably a little self hatey yeah i i can't with
0: willfully ignorant people yeah so if you're like i don't don't read books lol no fucking that's not no
1: and (laughs) no i don't subscribe to this (laughs) at all okay that was short yeah um last one okay unless you have one Mm -hmm. white chocolate interesting question
0: (laughs) i think white chocolate is weird I fucking hate white chocolate
1: <laughs> with a vehemence that I don't think an, other people feel, but I hate the fact that it calls itself chocolate when it, there's no cocoa involved. Right. It is just like butter and sugar and like two other ingredients.
0: I had no idea no cocoa was involved. There was no cocoa in white sense, chocolate. That makes sense because white chocolate tastes off. It's so fucking and stupid. It, like when people like rave whenever there's cookies and cream Bars available. Right. I'm like, it tastes weird. It tastes me. stupid, and I don't like macadamia. And macadamia. you ever notice
1: that a, a white chocolate bar just can't exist by itself? Mm. It's got to be white chocolate and dark chocolate, or white chocolate and macadamia nut uh, and peanut butter, True. or white chocolate. It's just like this basic bitch ass candy that I, I just really positively feel that white chocolate is garbage and nobody should eat it.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Uh, do I have one? I don't necessarily know. <laughs> Nah, I'm going to say no.
1: Okay, cool. Well, that was the game we played, and we're going to take a break.
0: The Pretty Witty Podcast is proud to support our host, Jay, on the publishing of her new book, Want to escape reality and enjoy a feel-good story? Well, check out Mostly Love, book one in the Spring Branch series by Jana Fontenot. Mostly Love tells the story of Melody Taylor, a young woman who recently moved back to her hometown to open a new business. She has no intention of falling in love, but friends, family, and fate have other ideas. To enjoy a story about overcoming self-doubt and giving in to someone else, completely check out Mostly Love by Jana Fontenot, wherever eBooks are sold. And now, back to the show.
1: Papa stuff. Stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll slide right into
1: So we've been talking about interracial relationships, both those that are friendships and those that are romantic relationships. Uh, I think I've covered all of it So we're going to talk about some statistics Before we move into interviews So Interracial marriage in the US Has been legal in all US states Since 1967 And exactly the states that you think Are the last to adopt interracial marriage Are the ones that are last to adopt Interracial marriage Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking anything South Carolina And South or Texas And East you are correct (laughs) It's literally those um, Loving v, Virginia, deemed anti-miscegenation unconstitutional, so that's how we got here. Uh, the proportion of interracial marriages as a proportion of all marriages has been increasing ever since, such that 15.1% of all new marriages in the United States are interracial uh, compared to low single digit percentages in the mid-20th century. Public approval of interracial marriage, rose from around 5% in the 1950s to 80% in the 2000s. So yay for that. The proportion of interracial marriages is markedly different depending on the ethnicity and gender of these spouses. So I found this interesting because I definitely feel something with regards to Um, the ethnicity of different interracial marriages like I and we'll hear this in interviews like I feel like I would do better in a marriage with somebody that's like Latinx for instance as opposed to white Mm. because I think that the gaps in difference are probably a little bit closer between me and a person that is oppressed in a different way between like me and a person that's like not oppressed right? (laughs) you know Um, so I, I, I feel like that makes sense. And I think that I've heard stories of um, like black mothers, for instance, being like, don't bring home these kinds of women. So I get that that's a thing. Um, but it's just interesting how like that feeds into the statistics. Some other stats. Um, if I can click them. There we go. <laughs> um, among, newly we- among all newlyweds, 9.4% of white people, 17.1% of black people, 25.7% of Hispanic people, and 27.7% of Asian people married someone whose race or ethnicity was different from their own. That kind of struck me as like, huh, what do you think?
0: Uh, those numbers are higher than I expected. But yeah, not really because it's 2019. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think just um it's different thinking about it when you're thinking about your own social circles mm-hmm. and then as opposed to the entire like population as a whole.
1: Yeah, and I think like I, I think it also speaks to how like white people are still the majority in the united states that like nine percent of white people married outside of their ethnicity but like 17 25 and 27 percent of black people hispanic people and asian people married outside of their ethnicity like Mm -hmm. there's just not as many you know
0: it's also very interesting from my own background coming from a place where there were just a lot of mixed people Mm -hmm. (laughs) it and being in austin there's just not bixby has i fucking hate bixby Whatever. Oh, she didn't Whatever. understand? She Well, I don't even know what I said to turn her on. <laughs> oh, my oh God. That's what he said. So, <laughs> I coming from, like, a, a town where there are a lot of mixed folks, and then coming to cities where I don't meet as many people mm-hmm. who are mixed, I'm, like, kind of taken aback by that. So, I, that's also where that comes from for me, too. Awesome. Yeah. Because okay. most black folks I know are just black. Like, Yeah. Not mixed with things most. And that comes, like, with just stepping out of my privilege and understanding the fetishization of being a mixed person. Right. Because I've experienced that. Mm -hmm. And outside of my hometown, I didn't. I mean, I always experienced that. Mm -hmm. As opposed to when I'm there, never really was. It wasn't a thing. I mean, they'd just be, like, mixed girl or whatever. Yeah. That's because I'm light-skinned, so there's also that. Yeah. So, very interesting. It is interesting.
1: I think, like... All of the personal anecdotal experience of mixed race, mixed mixed ethnicity, let me get that right, um, relationships or marriages that I've had have always been, been between, and this is like in my entire family, between a black man and a Latina woman.
0: Mm, That's like yes. the only
1: way I've ever seen it go I, in my family.
0: I, outside of my hometown. mm mm-hmm. That is what I've seen mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and my home, in my hometown, is different because we have
1: a lot of people of Korean. Descent. And I should specify, like white Latina, not yeah.
0: like. Right, right. Yeah. Outside of my hometown, I've never met someone who is like. Puerto Rican and Korean—that's right. not a thing anywhere right. else. Um, and those are things that you just don't see a lot because there's not opera. I don't know. It's yeah, do it's really date outside of the race like that.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because part of me feels like there's a little bit of like you said, like fetish- fetishization. We can neither one of us can say that today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, but also like whoever you love is fine. So I'm not stigmatizing that in any way, but also. No other. I, mean, I don't. I just don't personally know of any other like sort of ethnicity that is mixed that way. Which maybe like it, it could be a number of factors. It could be like socioeconomic. We're like at the same place at the same time. Like you know that kind of thing. But That's it's also it. really interesting. So.
0: And those types of relationships kind of foster the issues that we see prominent with people who have issues with people dating outside their race. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with dating outside your race. You love who you love. Yeah. The problem is when you're doing it as opposed to a certain group of people as a negative. Right. So So
1: like the problem is when you're dating like strictly white or Latina women or white Latina women and you're like, I don't date black women because X, Y, (laughs) Z. Right. Like that's a problem.
0: And then from my own perspective there's also the issue of like uh speci- like specifically when we think about like uh this whole situation with yes jewels and <laughs> um black men and veronica vega for example mm-hmm. on love and hip-hop miami you have these black men who are co-signing these women who are not black who are criticizing other black, black women <laughs> yeah. and who are also allowed to say the n-word which is Personally, I've experienced... I experience right now. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of, like, white Latina women, specifically in my own friend circle, who I've had to vocally be like, you can't say the N-word because you're not black. Mm -hmm. But the black men in my social circle wouldn't say... They would just not say anything. Right. And it's like, you should. Because these are your friends. I don't know this bitch. Well, maybe (laughs) I did. But, (laughs) like...
1: Whether or not I know this bitch.
0: Me saying this is going to have less of an impact as you saying this and so there in lies the issues with these types of relationships when you do x y and z because of
1: another group right um oh i forgot to mention that these were from the 2010 pew research center report from the u.s census bureau of uh, american community which is why we should take the census yeah If, if you can don't take the census if it's not safe for you but if it is take it yeah um Among all newlyweds, wait, yeah, okay, (laughs) among all newlyweds, intermarried pairings were primarily white-Hispanic, as compared to, that's 43%, as compared to white-Asian, 14%, white-black, 11%, and other combinations, 30.4%.
0: So that would be, like, black and Hispanic, right? Yeah. I'm guessing? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, other combinations consist of pairings between minority groups, multiracial people and American Indians okay. um, gender patterns in intermarriage vary widely some 24% of all black male newlyweds in 2010 married outside their race compared to just 9% of black female newlyweds this struck me <laughs> <laughs> um, so 24% is almost a quarter 9% is not. <laughs> um, and the last time we talked about this, I was just like, I don't know if I could, like, date outside of my ethnicity because differences and blah, 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 blah. Um, but I've also been asked out by people that were not black men, and I was just like, mm, I'm okay, you know? But, like, why? Because
0: there's also, like, specifically the thing of Austin yeah. and nightlife. Yeah. In thinking about the type of couplings I see, mm-hmm. I very rarely see black women with people outside of their race. Yeah. I actually don't being, really see black men with black women that much. I see more black men with white women, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but, like, whenever I see black women, they're either usually with their friends who are often black. Right. Or... The guys that they seem to like I assumed they to be romantic
1: with is never really someone who's not black. Why do you think that is like 24% versus 9% is a big gap for black men and black women? Like, why do you think that is?
0: I think it's because black women have bolstered the like the the more how do I put this? Black women. I feel have, like I know what you're saying black already. Women have to be like so conscious of them being mm-hmm. black and them being a woman that it's often hard to overlook issues that could negatively impact either of those identities for themselves. Yeah,
1: I think um, we have, like, we, we always exist at the intersection of blackness and womanhood, right. right? And like Malcolm X said, we don't get to benefit from maleness. We don't get to benefit from whiteness, but white women are closer in proximity to those things and black men are closer in proximity to those things. So I think in a way, in a way that's really like strange and paradoxical, they can make things. I don't know. I don't know. I don't
0: know. (laughs) So, for example, I don't think like just thinking of my own
1: friend group, Mm -hmm. like
0: of the black guys I know. I don't think they would have the same issues in looking for women as I do with men. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm... So, because of how conscious I am of the things that have negatively impacted me because I'm both black and both a woman, I am weary of other things as well. Right. So, I can't go on a date with someone who's homophobic. I can't do that. Right. If someone drops something transphobic, if someone says something ableist, That's I'm not going to be open to it. Yeah. And so, that makes me less, like...
1: Open yeah, and I'm dating
0: t- someone outside
1: of my race because I know it's yeah. more of an opportunity for that to happen. But also, that like lessens, like to be quite honest, that like lessens the amount of black men that we can date as well. True, because like I think as, and I'm not speaking for like all black women, but I know me and you mm-hmm. are like in everybody's camp that's progressive. So I'm here to speak out and argue for trans people and for people of the uh, like just the community in general and for other black women and for black men and just like anybody that i feel has been oppressed out here in these united states and some people aren't willing to go to bat that same way not even necessarily that they don't believe it but they're just not willing to be out front about it not deal with it and i know some of my friends are like that they're just like this may be a problem but it doesn't affect me personally so yeah you know so i think it's Probably easier to have relationships with people that don't give a shit if you also don't give a shit, which makes it different. I just thought that was a really interesting statistic because that is a wide gap. A wide, wide gap. Um, and the next thing. Um rates of intermarriages among newlyweds in the United States have nearly tripled since 1980. increasing to 14.6% in 2008 and 15.1% in 2010. So we are definitely like moving forward. And I'm not
0: surprised by that because
1: the population
0: is becoming browner.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So I am sort of wondering whether um, the political division that we're experiencing right now will make for an interesting stat in the 2020 census. Mm. Like, will it drop a little bit, even by just a percent? Because people are so like, I feel like you could go, you could have gone to, you could have been a black woman going to your white boyfriend's family's house in two thousand nine, and that would have been a s- specifically different experience than that same that same thing happening right now. Right, you know,
0: I, I can see that I'm I'm like it could have an effect, mm-hmm. but then also maybe it wouldn't be like it's so soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we might see something like after twenty twenty, yeah. maybe like a significant amount. Yeah. So it might be still the same and I wouldn't be surprised by that just because these things take time. Plus we're having less babies.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I got time or money for that. Right. <laughs> so I can't even afford my life. How am I going to s- afford someone else's. That's crazy. <laughs> exactly. So we will. Um, well, do I want to do this stat? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> Last one. So there is a regional pattern to intermarriage, which I thought was really interesting because i live in the south um among all new marriages in 2010 22 percent in the west were interracial or interethnic compared to 14 percent in the south 13 percent in the northeast and 11 percent in the midwest i kind of expected the northeast and the south to switch they're still really close mm-hmm. but 14 in the south and 13th in the northeast but there's probably just more like people of color in the south in right. general that's so, what i figure yeah um but racism is real. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knows? Anyway, um, we're going to do some interviews and here they go.
3: Have you ever been in an in interethnic relationship? Yes. How? What were some of the difficulties or positives of being in an interethnic relationship?
4: I would say, first of all, being family, because being Nigerian, you grow up at a young age, starting at like eight or nine, they're like, hey, you're going to marry an evil girl, to the point to where they actually like, concede it to where it's like as long as she's black, but in the end, it was just as long as she's black, where it came down to it, was kind of like, do I bring her around my family, do I introduce her, like, is this like, something serious I could do, things like that.
3: How would you say dating is, since you're open to dating different races of people?
5: How would I say what?
3: Dating is, since you're open to different races of people. Well, dating is not
5: too
4: complicated, because then again, I am like a black guy, so I'm not at the bottom of the dating pool. Uh, When it comes to like mixed race stuff like that, kind of like, you know. Like girls and you got that. but it wasn't like too crazy. There were some like stereotyped ideas that were involved, so oh, you know they expect something from you just because of social racist and things like that.
3: Do you have any advice for someone who is interested in getting into an interesting relationship?
5: I would say
4: more so like be honest up uh, and up front from Jump Street, especially with things that you are or are not comfortable with, because, you know, you're dealing with two different ideologies, and if you're basing everything off of an, an assumption, things will go horribly wrong.
3: Thank you very much.
4: Never getting off of an, an assumption, things will go horribly wrong.
3: Thank you very much
4: everything off of an assumption, things will go horribly wrong.
3: Thank you very much.
4: everything off of an assumption, things will go horribly wrong.
3: Thank you very much.
4: everything off of an assumption, things will go horribly wrong. Go horribly wrong.
6: Mm-hmm. I don't think this is necessarily like, I think that's more like a black-white piece. Not mm-hmm. as much as like a black other person of color,
1: okay, so Although
6: you, you could both like differences exist for sure, right, do
1: you think you could have a relationship with someone that was not white easier than you would be, Oh, able yeah, to yeah,
6: be? yeah, yeah, that i that I could see happening, but like white people know also like white women say a lot of like weird shit in bed that like is always really strange and racist to me.
3: is this from like experience?
6: Yes. They say a bunch of craziness. Like, you know, niggas dick biz and like ooh, black dick biz. It's just very strange.
1: Okay. Great, great. Um, do you have well I know I know for a fact that you have like a lot of friendships um, with people mm-hmm. of other races and you've been in a number of weddings, which is something that we talked about before. Um, do you plan on when you get married having like a mixed ethnicity uh party? What do you call? those? Grimmslin? Yeah,
6: like a wedding party that is diverse? Yeah. Yeah, I think, no, for sure. I mean, although I've also thought about like there's no way that I could like reciprocate the amount of times I've been in weddings in my own hypothetical wedding.
1: There's a movie uh, about that. that What'd you say? There's a movie about that. It's called 27 Dresses. I I know.
6: I mean, right now we're at wedding number 38. Okay, never mind. That's a lot. it's, It's it's very expensive, too, by the way.
5: Yeah, it, yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that there's, it could be diverse. I just mm-hmm. think that, like, it would probably be, like, overwhelmingly black.
1: Yeah. Do you still have, do you have friendships with people who say, like, strange things because they are of a, di- a different ethnicity and they just don't know what they're saying? Is strange?
6: Not at 29, 30 years old, though.
1: Yeah. You used to?
6: I think it was, like, oh, for sure. I think there's a lot of things that a lot of us would, like, put up with or think that we were supposed to put up with because of, like, you know, the fallacies of, like, black exceptionalism and other, like, general bullshit that, you know, self-actualized grown me (laughs) was, like, hell no.
1: Right.
5: Okay. Anything else you want to say on this topic? I mean... (laughs)
1: i
6: think that there's like so much the black white piece i think is like overwhelmingly how i think we look at interracial situations mm-hmm. but i also have like a significant part of my own family that is like afro-latino and afro-caribbean mm-hmm. which that's a whole nother layer right of shiggity that i think is like worth a discussion but like depending on like where you are in the country Um, it's, it's just like, not a lot of people like have that understanding. Like right now I'm an educator on the East coast where a lot of our like black presenting kids, you know, are going to like, we're gone for like almost a week because like they're in the islands, like carnival, Mm. like whereas like your African American kids would not you know even though they may all look the same like they aren't like talking about you know the shock and bake <laughs> and like other foolishness oh my god like so music um in the same way that like our, our caribbean kids would huh okay well thanks mm-hmm. i mean yeah i tried to be helpful
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay hold on we'll stop recording okay well
6: thanks mm-hmm. i mean yeah i
3: Have you ever been in an inter ethnic relationship or marriage? Yes. How do you think it affected you or those you know?
5: Um at the beginning, I think you should realize racism until you get into an interracial marriage and you don't assume your family is racist. Mm. Until, until you're not of your own race.
3: What were the most difficult parts about being in an interracial or interethnic relationship within your family?
5: I think with them understanding that the N word was a racist word, mm. and then in it, with my
3: kid. Right. What, uh, did you have any difficulties raising children who were multiracial?
5: Um, I think living in Albuquerque was not as acceptable. I think it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard on my family, especially when my daughter started having more African American traits
2: mm-hmm. in the
5: first we were able to just she looked panic. But as she started looking more mixed, I it was a lot harder for her family to accept that. But it was lot harder to raise but, you know so
3: kids and not real compared to raising them in Queens. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh what advice would you give to someone who is in an inter-ethnic relationship or who decides to have multiracial kids?
5: You know, for me, I always let my kids decide who they were. If they wanted to be predominantly African-American, if they wanted to be Hispanic. um, I provided both sides. I think when you're facing mixed kids, you have to let them grow up. Not only both sides, but it didn't take the identity. And I think that was the big thing for me to learn because even though I was a Hispanic friend, I had to go and learn about African And so it opened my eyes to a lot of other things. Plus you also... You know, I'm not trying to say this as bad, but when you have mixed kids and you decide to say you have Hispanic and African-American, and you decide to get remarried and bring Hispanic into your place, sometimes that Hispanic man will not treat your kids the same as you have kids with them. Mm-hmm. Or a white male. Mm-hmm. So you you have those underlying ISR. So for me, it was a lot easier for me to stay in African American male because when I did date a Hispanic, or I did date an Hispanic man before and they treated my daughter differently, but mm-hmm. they weren't fully Hispanic. So I started realizing when you do get into, if you're shipped over with an African American, the father of the baby, you have to be real careful of at a date outside of the races of those kids. It's it's bring him night especially if you have a kid from that other person next thirdy it's bring him night especially if you have a kid from that other person next thirdy it's bring him night especially if you have a kid from that other person next thirdy it's bring him night especially if you have a kid from that other person especially if you have a kid from that other
0: person okay so what'd you think i think um everything our people came on and said just as someone who's mixed race i'm not surprised by mm-hmm. and as someone who i consider myself black mm-hmm. so it Also, as far as this conversation, which we kind of delved into a little bit when we talked about Meghan Markle, Mm -hmm. like, I'll go back and forth between saying I'm mixed and black, Mm -hmm. but I identify as black because that's what is identified of me first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Usually, especially when I wear my hair. Mm -hmm. Curling. Yeah. And because... Lips. So, (laughs) like, my features are a little bit Afrocentric. I'm just Mm light-skinned, and if I wear my hair natural, it's just more prominent. For my sister, that's definitely not the case because Mm -hmm. of how different we look. Um, She looks a lot more, like, white Latina passing, Mm -hmm. and she did brown. So, the... The conversation about who is considered black, especially as a product of interracial marriage, mm-hmm. that's an interesting one. And then it's an interesting one when you discuss, like, how dating someone outside of your race, even if you don't think it affects you, affects you. Right. So it's just interesting to hear that.
1: Yeah. I thought this was a really interesting topic. And I just, I, like, want to preface, preface what I'm about to say with the fact that, like, Who you date and who you have friendships with and who you experience life with is a deeply personal and like solitary decision that can only belong to you. And this is not a judgment of any person, like nor was this topic or anything like that. I will say that there have been times in my life where I've come across like today, for instance, um, I saw this really, really, really cute guy. He was black. And just kind of my whole, like, wide receiver type body. Tall, but muscular. Had, like, jaws that went probably just a little too far out. Facial hair. Thick eyebrows. Just like, you know, you're gorgeous. Why are you walking around in the normal world? <laughs> um, and his girlfriend was a, like, blonde white woman. And that's fine. But I also wonder where's mine <laughs> <You know? laughs> just like and not in like a i hate her i'm a i'm jealous type of way but they're like this stat says that like a quarter of black men are dating and marrying outside of their race and like nine percent of us are doing that so like is my whoever that i'm going to spend my life with if i do spend my life with somebody are they a different ethnicity should i Try to do that because I'm not naturally attracted to a lot of people that are not black. Some, but not a lot. Right. So, mm? you know, it's just very strange. It's a very very strange strange. thing to thing to like navigate. So this was interesting. I feel like we'll probably talk about this again in some other like some other form or like dynamic at some point.
0: It's I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's a lot. (laughs) Anyway uh do you have any random thoughts uh only just again buy your tickets for wednesday Mm -hmm. we love to see you guys out we're really excited to endeavor upon this relationship with the alamo draft house Mm -hmm. and hopefully continue it forward me too so if this goes well then we could do more so we just want more butts and seats so please come because it's gonna be so fun check out our social medias (laughs) and hit the link wherever they're at i'm mm-hmm. gonna um, buy a ticket yeah i have our you. site
1: open but i don't have the link so you can send it to me so i can put it in the home page oh okay i'll send so it, it like, to you nah. okay <laughs> uh i had one but i lost it because that always happens because you never write them down nope all right well to you guys we say cheers, cheers.